Welcome to the Reality Revolution. I'm so excited. I have RJ Spina back again, one of the most popular interviews on the channel. So many people have reached out to me that have read RJ's book, Supercharged Self-Healing, and have been transformed by it. And there were so many little nuggets in that last interview. I had to have him back. And it's so nice to have RJ back. And now we've gotten through all the particulars and all the, the general stuff. And now we can go a little bit deeper and talk about this stuff. So welcome back to the Reality Revolution, RJ. Thank you for having me, Brian. We had a great conversation. I'm looking forward to this conversation and wherever it goes, is going to be great. Oh yeah, no doubt. So, uh, and, and congratulations on the book. Uh, it, you know, it seems to be doing well and, and you've reached out to me, um, uh, with your, your foundation and you've had some success stories, um, some amazing success stories where you've showed me where people, um, who have been paralyzed have, uh, have actually started to show movement and progress so exciting that that this is starting to expand yeah th this is this is the future uh, metaphysics is our past and our future and yesterday's metaphysics is today's science today's metaphysics is tomorrow's science and yes we're having tremendous success with people that are utilizing the teachings and the protocols that are that are captured in the book supercharged self-healing and uh yeah i shared with you a, a young man who's in a car accident i think he's 20 uh, permanent air quotes, permanently paralyzed. He's, he's starting to move his, you know, his legs through the, through the teachings, anyone who applies themselves and utilizes real metaphysics, utilizes their higher mind, which is really the creator of the lower mind and the creator of the lower consciousness. When we work that way, we can do anything. And there's even another person too, by the way, I, I, I would like to mention is that this person, uh, younger person was on dialysis. And once you go on dialysis, you, you, you know, your kidneys don't get better. Mm -hmm. So lo and behold, this person is literally off dialysis wow. and the kidneys are actually improving. So we really have to, Brian, and, and you, know, you, you understand and you're working and you're drawn to these kind of things. Mm -hmm. We have to throw out this old workbook. I mean, we, we really do. When we start to work with more of what we are, which, and we are our higher mind, the higher mind can, when, when we'll say educated properly or taught properly, can have complete dominion over, over the finite mind and the body and the body of energy. And so when we start to work in this way, healing, self-realization, manifestation, all these kind of things, they're more akin to what we really are, which is an immortal creator being. And I really feel the key from my perspective is to remove what I call poverty mentality. Now, poverty mentality does not just relate to finances. I'm talking about poverty uh, within health, poverty within uh, friendships, within your business, with, uh, in every single aspect. And once we start to remove poverty mentality, Everything, everything is on the table. Everything becomes possible. And all of us have operated in this way before. It's just that it's been a while and we're back on the upswing, believe it or not. We're back on the upswing back in terms of using the higher mind. And uh, I, I feel like these teachings are really a gateway into being able to do that. Absolutely. You know, the thing that's so exciting about um, your book and the examples that you give um, is that it's possible. Uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I talk to people um, all the time that say, you know, we, we've been talking about this for years. I haven't seen any proof of it. And I wanted to talk to you about this, the, 
um, the scientific method, which has created a, some wonderful things, you know, along the way, has almost become a limiting factor in many ways on a lot of the research on health studies, um, partially because universities, there's, you know, there, there, there are certain professors that are that refuse to talk about my, the mind body coordination that's involved and they're not willing to do research projects on the on the kind of things that you're doing um and in general because the scientific community for decades now and they're still not embracing this concept and part of it is it's hard to scientifically evaluate because once the observer comes into any sort of experiment on this level it's almost like they can never truly validate it using the scientific method so how can we transcend the, the current paradigm that we're in that sort of limits our ability to expand into mind the mind-body connection like we truly should, as obvious to our mind is, right? Yeah, exactly, Brian. So I, for me, it's kind of scientism. Right. It, it's become a religion, really, it dogmatic, uh, slow-moving, completely closed-minded. And, and if we look at the reasons why, and then we can get into how do we prove, if we look at the reasons why, Scientists tend to agree with whoever funds them. Okay, so that's number one. Wherever the money comes from, that's who they're going to agree with because that's how they're able to operate. We have to understand this. We have to understand this. Also, when we start to go into metaphysics, the, the truth of things, or what I call magic, and magic is metaphysics and metaphysics is magic, when we start to go past the, the limitations of the five physical senses and the intellect, essentially how most of these people have made their living is no longer valid. So their entire career, their, all their work, all of course they're going to try to discredit or debunk anything that doesn't fit within their paradigm because one, they can't support themselves anymore. Their entire life's work becomes obsolete. But instead, I think what they should do is start to find the bridge between these two things. Find the bridge between the body-mind connection and the higher mind, exactly what we're talking about, because it's there. But if it goes against how you make a living and everything that you've staked your claim on and your ego mind identity and your reputation and your funding, well, then odds are you're just going to say, oh, that's, that stuff is just, is just crazy. And that's just luck or that's a miracle or that's, uh, that's God. By the way, it's all the same thing, except luck doesn't exist. But uh, that's that's really the main reason. It's it's become a religion now. In, in terms of uh, proof, proof is tangible. So yes. every, I mean, that's the proof. Period. Right. We 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 don't need we don't need a scientist to offer a proof. If we feel better, if our state of being is different, if our body is responding in a completely different way, if we go and get blood tests muscle testing, all sorts of different ways to measure these things. And there's a market improvement. What other proof are we looking for? Like what else is there? Right. It's, it's always experiential and it's always tangible. If someone is feeling better and doing better, they've done it. There is the proof. And I think the less that we rely on anything outside of ourselves, whether it's a scientist, a doctor, whatever, whoever, I don't, I don't really care who it is. Once you start to take command of your life and you know that you're doing better, we don't need proof from anyone else. Most people, at, well, maybe I shouldn't say most, many people are starting to work with themselves in this way. And there's a reason for that. It's actually a memory. All of us remember. All the stuff I talk about, it may seem new. It's not. It isn't. 
maybe the way I'm saying it in this incarnation in the 21st century might have a different spin on it based upon the, the level of education, the terminology that's available to us within this timeline. But the teachings are exactly the same. This, this is not new. Higher consciousness is what creates lower consciousness. The higher mind, when taught properly and used properly, has complete dominion over the lower mind, our body of energy, and our physical body. And as you said, people that work with the teachings in the book, like even just the magic tricks where you can meditate in one second, it's tangible. Your proof is in the tangibility. It's, it's immediate. And I think that's, that's the direction that all of us need to go in, experiential and not getting permission from this person, that person, this institution, that institution. Eventually, those institutions will have to, will have to catch up and will have to acknowledge Otherwise, they're going to be completely and totally obsolete. But until then, they may very well go sort of kicking and screaming into that situation. I mean, I kind of see it like there's this big elephant in the room that everybody's just ignoring. And they're walking around it and they're acting like it's not there because every single medical research study integrates the placebo as an accepted fact. So every single study already integrates the the (laughs) fact that, that you can heal yourself from your own mind, but they ignore it. They, they, they don't realize what they're doing in the, in the study. It's just become a standard part of their statistical way of evaluating things. When, if you step back and realize, don't you realize what you're saying in every single study is that the placebo effect is actually scientifically valid, proven by millions of research studies, right? Uh, Brian, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I almost want to go, duh, right? So right. <clears throat> that's it. That's exactly right. And I and I really feel in in some ways, some of the stuff I talk about, like in the first book and other things that are happening, is that we're taking the placebo effect about healing ourselves through our own belief, through our own mind. That is absolutely correct. I just want to bring more specificities and a repeatable, robust uh, protocols and exercises that allow that to happen. Because from my perspective, it's not belief, okay? It's Mm -hmm. something that occurs before. And and once you align your belief to this thing that's occurring before, this is why the the placebo effect, just like you said, is absolutely proven. So we do heal ourselves. I would even take it further and say that everything Everything. is is a permission slip. Okay, whether it's a tincture, an herb, an antibiotic, I don't care what it is. Everything is a permission slip because ultimately we are the one that is healing ourselves or not healing ourselves. Okay, the lower mind and physical reality is quite the illusion. And so we think it's the tincture or the pill or the, the whatever it is. It isn't. It's a permission slip. It's just like saging a house. Okay. Sage doesn't do anything. It's the intention. The sage is the ceremony. It's the intention of the person to clear the house that does the clearing. Sage doesn't actually do it itself. And it's the same thing. Every time we take something physical, a pill, a tincture, we are agreeing that matter has dominion over spirit. It doesn't. Matter comes from spirit. And we know this, the placebo effect, as you so eloquently put out, is the proof right there. We've had this forever. We know that we can do this. We're doing it. I'm doing it. Other people are doing it. It's completely and utterly real and tangible. It's, it's literally my reality 24-7 and not just me. So it's there. It's always going to be there. I'm just interested in the specificities and the higher conscious metaphysics 
of how that actually works. And that's, you know, that's why I wrote Supercharged Self-Filling, the first book. So I wanted to get, um, go a little deeper. Um, I'm fascinated by Louise Hay and others that have, um, the idea that when we really look at the body, even going back to Swedenborg, and when you look at the body and each of the organs has a certain uh, purpose. And sometimes when, when we have some sort of organ failure, problem with the heart, high blood pressure, it goes back to some purpose within our mind. It, it can be very, I have hypertension because I'm worried about the past. Um, and so it, it, it feels like each of those organs has a certain intention that we can block by actions and consciousness. Um, have you gotten into the specificities of different organs or systems in the body and how they relate to patterns of thinking? Yeah, there's, there's, there's a part of that in the book. I didn't want to go ultra, ultra specific in that because we can lose ourselves in the forest, so to speak. Right. But absolutely, there are things that I refer to in the book. And again, Actually, it was more specific and it was, uh, I was asked to, that's too, too specific or too advanced actually is what I was told. Right. So, and, and it isn't, uh, but anyway, so what we're really talking about are energetic templates. Okay. So energetic templates are really the building block of form and function. Okay. And that's what really, uh, let me give a visual and a silly analogy because I like silly analogies. So if we took, if we, you remember a slinky, Right. right. You, you might've had one. I have one. Okay. So slinky coming down the stairs, right? Okay. So the energetic templates exist in much higher frequencies and they are literally a blueprint that keeps getting translated frequentially, just like a slinky going down the stairs till eventually it gets all the way down to the bottom three frequencies, which band together into one thing that give us height, weight, and width, what we call the third dimension. And that's where the body becomes solid, but all the way down, the steps like the, like the slinky are these energetic templates. So you can think of, uh, think of like a, an architect's blueprint, okay? That's what actually exists there and they correlate to the chakras. So as energy comes in to the chakra system, that gets translated according to your energetic template. That's really form and function and, and the organs relate to that based upon the template. And you're absolutely right. If there's an issue with X, Y, Z, it's going to relate to a certain energetic template. Everything is a representation. It's not in and of itself what it is. The, the liver represents a certain level of consciousness. The lungs represent a certain level of consciousness. And they'll also represent where there's misperception, misunderstanding, and misidentification within that level of consciousness that then gets manifested itself within the organ or a deformity or the organ not operating properly. It's because we have misprogrammed it through our identifications or what I call misperceptions, misunderstandings and misidentifications. So we misprogram ourselves at the energetic template level through incarnation after incarnation after incarnation. This is not easy to do this in the evolutionary cycle. So we end up <clears throat> misprogramming ourselves through identifications. That then becomes part of the energetic templates which then gets translated down like the slinky. And as the energy comes into the chakras, which is, which is really our energy transformers and metabolizers, that energetic template is then birthed into, into our form and function, which is why in some, just as an example, I hope that made sense, which is why oh, yeah. in some, okay. Which is why in some cases, not every case, which is why in some case, a child is, you know, is born with, with uh, deformities, severe deformities. That is a direct result of the misprogramming of the energetic templates. So that has occurred through other incarnations 
whether there's, there's traumatic events or there's deep, deep, deep misunderstanding about something, that eventually that has to represent itself in terms of a physical expression or our form. So what we're going to start to learn, and the, the, the book uh, hopefully puts us in the right direction, at least, is okay. to understand that when you work with the higher frequencies, higher frequencies create and dictate what goes on with the lower frequencies. If you want physical healing, you're going to have to go towards and past your emotional body and your mental body. And you're going to have to start to get into your lower astral, which is where the deep identifications exist. It's actually a frequency band above the mental body. Because whatever we deeply identify with, Brian, sits within the lower astral. So that's one specific stair of the slinky. Mm -hmm. And so once something is in there, as that comes down frequentially, it then infiltrates and fills up the mental body, the emotional body, the etheric body, and then the physical body. So the misprogramming is always at a much higher frequency. And then it simply manifests itself within the physical when we're incarnate. So we actually experience the tangibility of our intentions when we're incarnate. And if our intentions have been guided through misperceptions, misunderstandings, and misidentifications, then our physicality is going to represent that. And this can be addressed by accessing the, the energetic templates using your higher mind. I wanted to get a, a deeper perspective from you, especially related to health about what, like diet and, and water in particular. Um, I, I don't think we're using water to our greatest capability. It's a transformer in itself. Mm -hmm. A lot of times we just drink water because we're thirsty. But you, I get the, uh, the impression that elementally that water can be an, a conduit to, to higher levels of transformation and our diet. Our, is, is the diet irrelevant or is it important? And, 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 and when we're talking about health, how do you configure this within the framework of what you're talking about? Yeah, okay, that's a great question. Okay. <clears throat> because, because we're having a low frequency uh, experience in incarnation, and we're, we're in the bottom three frequencies that band together in the third frequency, what we call the third dimension, it's fine. We identify with our physicality, we identify with the body, and that's the foundation of the ego mind identity, is identification with the physical body. And this is why people eat, because they see themselves as a physical being, not an energy being, which is what we really are. Now, when you see yourself as a physical being, you are the body, you have to eat. And if you don't, don't even try fasting because it won't work. You, you could die, literally. I don't mean fasting for eight hours. I mean, prolonged fasting. So the diet becomes important, but not as important as the brainwave in terms of seeing yourself as a physical being. It's a very specific brainwave pattern. It's a slower, denser brainwave pattern. So diet becomes very important for, for people that are operating in that way that see themselves as the body. Now, we don't actually have to eat unless you see yourself as a physical being. And if you see yourself as a physical being, you have to eat. Then it becomes important what you put in there. At the highest levels, at the highest levels, you don't have to eat. Mm -hmm. Very rarely, right? Very I mean, there's a reason why every mystic and master would talk about meditation and fasting. Why is that? Because they, they understand how it actually works, right? It's the chakras that take in energy. It's not food. But if you see yourself as a physical being, you have to eat. Now, if we're seeing ourselves as a physical being and we have to eat, then it becomes, well, what should I eat? What's, what's the best thing to eat? Okay. From my perspective, and I talk about this in the book, 
about fasting and you know how to use fasting for your own self-healing and self-realization. So I call the body, the physical body, the genetic entity. One size does not fit all in terms of diet, okay? For myself, I'll use myself as an example. For, for years, I was a vegan, okay? I never got so sick. My body didn't like it, okay? I was imposing my... Uh, not wanting to uh, add to the suffering of animals, right? right? So I said, well, I'm never eating meat again. I'm never doing it. I did it for years. My specific body, this specific genetic entity does not run well without animal protein. And I found this out through my own trial and error of becoming a vegan. So what people can look to is their blood type. Now, your blood type is going to let you know what foods what types of foods, animal proteins, vegetables, nuts, things like that, that your body will run optimally on. It is not one size fits all. Some people are perfect being vegans. Some people are perfect being carnivores in terms of their health. Mm -hmm. Some people are perfect with some kind of blend in between or just being vegetarian. We have to find this out for ourselves. The one size fits all doesn't work. Every soul is different and every genetic entity has specific hereditary traits based, based upon its past. So we, we have to give it what it wants so it can work optimally. That, that's, that's number one. Now, the more that we can incorporate some form of fasting, the more it gives the body an opportunity to self-heal and self-repair instead of constantly processing information, which is food. Mm-hmm. So the body never gets a chance to do its natural detox, its natural cleansing, its natural autophagy. It never gets a chance to do it because it's constantly processing information, constantly. So I recommend at the very least intermittent fasting pretty much for anybody. Now, the more that you start to work with yourself in some of the ways that that you and I are talking about, or even with the ways that I lay out in the book, the more that you're going to be able to start to work with more prolonged fasting. Now, the more prolonged fasting you can work with, the more the body is going to self-repair and self-heal. It's going to literally cleanse and, and, and quote unquote, fix itself because it doesn't have to use all its energy to process food. So now just to get to water, because I know you asked about water. Yeah. Water is far more important than, than actual food. Mm-hmm. Far, far more important. Uh, dry fasting. I don't want our whole conversation to be about fasting. It's, so, it's but it's, yeah, but it's just, you know, something that I've worked with and done. And, and sometimes certain people, I've helped people that are, very, very sick. And the only thing I told them to do was to fast for a certain period of time. And this major illnesses would just clear up. It's also because I can see it. But fasting outside of our country, the United States, I mean, people go to facilities that are monitored by doctors. And the whole thing is about fasting to overcome tremendous illness. So that's why there's a whole section in the book about that. Water is, it almost brings energy and life through everything through everything. So it, it, it operates differently. It's almost like liquid light as a way to say it uh, without going on and on and on. So water is far more important than physical food and water can really flush out. We all know this water can flush out. It can detoxify. It can cleanse all those kind of things. And when you do water fasting, that's exactly what you're doing. You're detoxifying and cleansing yourself. Now I suggest that we start at the top though. Don't start with your body. Start detoxifying and cleansing your mind. 
start detoxifying and cleansing from identifications, identifications with beliefs, concepts, so-called knowledge. Now, once you start to detoxify and cleanse from the things in the lower astral and the mental, physical fasting will become much easier because you now have more dominion over your mind. So most of us probably do it in reverse. We're like, okay, I'm going to not eat for the next 24 hours or 48 hours or whatever it is, right? But all those mental identifications and attachments are already there. And it makes physical fasting from food extraordinarily difficult. If we do it the other way around, it becomes night and day. Once you have control over your mind, you have dominion over your body and therefore cravings and habits and all these kind of things are already disappearing because you've already cleansed the mind of the concepts, the beliefs, the attachments, and the identifications. So if we work in reverse that way, Brian, Mm -hmm. our self-healing and our self-realization is fully online. We're We're now walking the walk. But if we start with the physical, I feel it's, it's not the best way to go because nothing originates in the physical. We don't originate from the physical. That's the last place. We shouldn't start in the last place. We should start with the slinky going up in frequency, and we should go to the lower astral and start to remove identifications, attachments, concepts, so-called knowledge. You don't need any of it. Everyone's already perfect. And then when you get rid of that, then you can start to fast. Then you'll start to find out what your body really needs. I only found out what my body really needs after I didn't eat for, for pretty much three weeks. I, had, I didn't eat for two weeks, had a small meal and didn't eat again for another week. I had, I had purified and cleansed myself, literally and figuratively on every, on every level. That was part of the meditation, everything. I reset my entire body after that. And then at that point, I literally asked, what is it that you want to my body? What do you want? And that, the, that's the diet that I've been having for, I don't know how many years it is now. And for myself personally, it's mostly fish, vegetables, mm-hmm. uh, some, some nuts, and every now and then some chicken. That's pretty much it. I had the same meal. should ask my girlfriend about that. I had the same meal, Brian, every day, once a day. I'm, I, I think it was 11 months, so, something like that, 10 and a half months, 11 months, whatever. Literally the exact same thing the exact same amount, the exact same portion, just that every day for 11 months. But I got to tell you, that's exactly what my body wanted. And my body was, was never healthier. And that was after, you know, being paralyzed and being sick and all this kind of stuff. That was all part of this complete sort of rejuvenation of mind, body, and spirit. But when you, when you work that way, when you go up with the slinky to the higher mind, Operate from there and then work down. Don't start, from my perspective, don't start down with the body because it's, it's very ineffective. It's very limiting because the body is simply an expression of the higher mind. Work with the higher mind and you'll have dominion over your body, which includes self-healing. Yeah, that, that makes sense to me. I, I've also you know, read Tim Ferriss and some others that have argued that eating the same meal the same amount, your body gets used to it and it can produce the, um, all of the right um, chemicals in digestion and it, it'll, it frees it up to do other things because what, when you're constantly changing what you're putting in your body, you know, not, I don't, as you say, it's not for everybody, but I, it, mentally it makes sense to me, uh, that, that process. So 
Yeah, yeah, it's uh, absolutely. And it's almost like it's not the exact same thing. But if you tend to go to bed at the same time, you know, relatively speaking, and wake up at the same time, your body likes that. Your yeah. body, your body wants the consistency. Now, what, what I what I and, and same with food. And what I've discovered is that our uh, through working with people um, and, you, you know, using using a higher state of consciousness that our ego mind identity okay, is so incongruent with what we really are, okay, that our organs no longer trust the person. So I, I can remember vividly just this one, this one person, it's many times, but I remember that the first time this occurred, this lady came to me, she had, she had stage four cancer. She had a couple, she had a couple other things going on. She was also dealing with a lot of stuff with her son and, you know, so she had, she had a full plate, right? She had a big challenge and, she, you know, she asked me, please look in, what do you see, et cetera, et cetera. And when I logged in, the, the first thing her organ said is that we don't trust her thought process. We don't trust the decisions that, that, so her body was in complete defiance. There was literally like an internal war. The ego mind identity has taken us so out of whack that our own organs no longer trust the decision maker. And I, I, I never forgot that. It wasn't the last time I saw that. But th this is what we're doing to our body. This is what the ego mind identity does. Mm -hmm. Our own organs are like, I don't trust her. Can we so, communicate with our organs? Can oh, of, of course. Okay. Of course. I, I know that sounds bizarre. No, but... yeah, I, I, I believe it. So does it come through like an energy or a voice? How, how, how do you go about communicating with your organs? Well, for, for me, it, it can be various things. So sometimes it's literally like you would hear a voice, but not, not a voice voice. It's like, it's like telepathy. So it, the, the information comes to you. Sometimes it's visual. Uh, sometimes it, as weird as this sounds, sometimes I can almost taste it. I can taste what's wrong. Uh, I know it's weird, right? No. But yeah. Our, the self, our sentience, what we really are is literally like a million senses. Mm -hmm. It literally. is literally. Okay, our body's got five senses that are attuned to a very narrow bandwidth. So the, the, our, our five senses do not pick up much. And therefore, that's why the intellect is, is almost useless, right? But the self, the sentence, what we really are, is literally like a gigantic eyeball that just has all these different sets of perception. And so when we're really in tune to that, the information will come in all these various ways. Sometimes what will happen is that whatever is uh, in disharmony will come forward for me in terms of my perception, almost like when we sit down and watch a 3D movie and they do the countdown, the 10, the nine, eight, seven, and it's coming forward. Mm -hmm. It's actually a lot like that. So sometimes things will come forward. Sometimes it'll actually be telepathic. It'll actually speak. Sometimes there's an emotional quality to it or a taste to it. And it, it, it can be all of them all at once, which is not pleasant, but sometimes it could be all of that at once. But all of us have this ability to do this, to tune into ourselves, All we have to do is quiet the rational thinking mind. Okay. And we can do any one of the magic tricks that we talk about to do that. Right. In one second, right. Just pretend these two eyes are not connected to your brain. Okay. Right. No, right. Thinking has stopped in one second, real magic. Okay. Now just stay that way. And then literally log into, or almost imagine like you, you can see through your physical body and just log in 
to whatever area that you're having uh, an issue with your hip, your liver, your this, it doesn't matter. Allow yourself to see right through because you're not using your physical eyes anymore. And the rational mind has stopped. So the higher mind is online now and literally just let yourself see right into that. Let yourself experience it directly, your hip, your thigh, your th whatever is bothering you. Let yourself see it and experience it. And then you can even ask, what is it that you want me to know? What is it that I don't understand? What is it that you're trying to tell me? What can I do to help you? That's one, a very simple, direct way to do it. And anyone can do that. I, I, it just takes practice. Mm -hmm. That's it. If you, if you said, Brian, I, you know, how, do you, how do you log into someone and do this? Okay, do that and, and practice it like a thousand times over and over and over. do it with yourself. If you said, RJ, how do I get good at basketball? Get a basketball and just start shooting hoops like crazy. I mean, right? Take a thousand right. shots. You'll, you'll, you'll start to get good at it, right? You won't even think about it. Second nature. Okay. Right. So being fully present in the higher mind online fully and not the lower consciousness, it, it is absolutely no different. It's just practice. That's all. That's, that, that's all this is. And because all of us have operated this way before in other incarnations and or are doing it again in this incarnation, it will come back because it's our true nature. We have to give it a chance. We have to, we have to love it. We, we have to wrap our arms around it, right? If we mm -hmm. want something to happen out of it, we got to give it love and attention. And the higher mind and clairsentience, clairvoyance, claircognizance, any other clairs, they're, they're all they're part of everyone. It just takes practice, patience, and diligence. That's all. And, you know, for whatever it's worth, I've, ded I've literally dedicated my entire life to this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and my body was destroyed. I mean, literally, it was destroyed, completely and utterly destroyed. So I have literally poured my heart into this completely and utterly, and I would do it again in a second. But that sometimes it takes that level of dedication and sincerity, and the results will be there, right? Our, our discipline is our destiny. Right. And, and, and so I, I've dedicated my life to what it is that I do. I never really stop. I don't want to stop. Right. I don't think I can. I don't think I can. There's a, at a certain point, and you, and you probably know this, and mm -hmm. so do others. At a certain point, it's not, it's not even your life. Something is flowing through you. You can call it whatever you want, God, source, creator. It doesn't matter. Call it whatever you like, okay? But you can feel it. And it, it, it's literally way bigger than you are. And it's literally flowing through you 24-7. And it's like, I don't even feel that it's my life. I feel that I've, I've, I've given it. I've given it to, to, to where it's supposed to go, to literally my own higher mind, which is also a part of the, the higher self, which is also a part of source, God, creator. And it literally just flows through me. I, have, I am impelled and compelled to do what I do. Yeah. And not just me. There are other people that you know, have found their niche, whatever, whatever that is. But that's... That's what I'm talking about. It's perpetual flow. The perpetual flow state is your higher mind. That's the real you. And that's when talents and abilities, things like clairsentience, clairvoyance, or healing abilities, or whatever you want to call it, that's when that stuff starts to flower. Because you, the little you, your ego mind identity has gotten out of the way. 
Now there's no block anymore. Now it just flows through. It's almost like channeling. It's like nonstop. And that state of being destroys poverty mentality. It destroys sickness. It, des it destroys suffering. It destroys all those things because those things are a product of the unawakened mind, the lower consciousness. And so when we, when we give ourselves over through surrender, through being fully present, put the rational thinking mind to bed and let the real you come online and the real you has the talents. The real you is the talent. It is the ability. It is the clairsentience. It is the creator. The all is in the one and the one is in the all. It's so true. This is a bizarre question, but do you think there's parts of the body that have a, a focused level of more divinity than others? Like, is there a spark of, of, of divinity in our heart that is like, is there concentrated? We, we know that there's energy centers. We know that, right? Um, but perhaps it's elevated in certain areas of the body of energy and frequency than other parts of the body, perhaps the pituitary gland or the pineal gland is if we were to, if we were to, with our psychic eyes, look at a physical body, is there a, a part of the body where it's really the most concentrated? Does that make any sense? I'm just, yeah. I just, yeah. for somebody that can see, I wanted to ask what your perspective of that. Uh, absolutely. Okay. Okay, Brian, specifically the question, is there a part of the body that is more, did you say divine? Yeah, is that divine spark of God, the highest energy? If I was to look at the body with, with, with my sight unveiled, um, yeah. it seems, for me, I see it concentrated in the heart. I, yeah. I, it feels like there, there's, there's, a, there's an atom, an area in the heart of everyone that is the purest form of divinity. If I was to you know, open it up and look at it with the right tools, but I wanted to get, you can see these things. I wanted to get your perspective. If you, if you see that, um, that there's parts of the body where it, it's really concentrated. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, you're, you're exactly right. Your intuition is, is, is right on the money. Uh, whether you can see it with your third eye or not, your intuition is right on the money. And we don't need the third eye for no. everything either, by the way. Okay. So what we really are, okay, is what I call sentience or a divine intelligence, okay? It, that is what we really are. And that sentience or divine intelligence, you can think of it as our depth, our level, our amount, our weight, believe it or not, of love and wisdom, okay? That's what we really are. And the subsets of that are our talents and abilities, okay? Mm -hmm. Now that sentience is an indirect fractal of God. And I say indirect because we are a projection of the higher self. So it's a direct fractal of the higher self and therefore an indirect fractal of God's source creator. Now that sentience, the, the I am, if you will, right? Okay. Sits literally just where you said it sits between the heart and the spine. That's literally where it sits. And behind that's the heart kind of right near the spine behind it. Right. Literally. Right. Yeah. If right in between those two things is literally what you really are. Your consciousness your sentience literally sits right there. And that's why everyone, when they indicate themselves, they take their finger and they point right to the center of their chest and say, me. And no one ever points to their head and says, me. That's because there ain't nothing up here. Right. Okay. So the, the spark, the I am, the, the God particle, I mean, it's all God, but the sentience literally sits right there. And so, and that's why the heart chakra is the, 
the coming together of the lower consciousness and the higher consciousness, and it meets right at the fourth chakra. So it's not a, it's not a coincidence. So this, it, it literally sits right here. Now that's, <clears throat> excuse me, that's the sentience, the divine intelligence. Now we would be inert if we weren't given energy to create with. Mm-hmm. Okay. So our most prized possession or sacred commodity, the Holy Ghost, is actually our energy. And that's the energy that when we're human in general, we tend to use that energy for thinking and emoting, animating the body, thus creating experiences. Now, that energy or the gas tank, if you will, sits beneath that. So now where it sits when we're completely uh, present, it's just beneath the belly button above the groin. Mm-hmm. That's the gas tank. Okay. The driver, if you will, sits between the heart and the spine. So that's the, that's the center of divinity, if you will. Now, the only thing I'll add to that is the crown chakra. Okay. Is really the vortex or the portal. Right. That we want to open up. And it's, that's why it's, it's yeah, more that's of a why, gateway. It's, it's, it's then an, as an energy center. Right? You got it. It's more of a gateway. That, that's it. And so we want to, and that's why I talk about that in the book about opening the crown and channeling, channeling intelligent energy through that, because the, the crown chakra is, is the highest uh, frequency or chakra associated with the human form. So if you want to bring in directly the most potent and powerful energy that you can into your body of energy and your physical body, you want to completely extend and open your crown chakra and have, have that what I call intelligent energy come right in. Because that energy is operating at a higher frequential state. That's why it's akin to the crown chakra, which is the seventh frequency. As you bring in that, that energy or the, the, uh, the violet ray, the purple ray, right? So mm-hmm. as, you, as you bring that in, that is the most powerful healing energy that you can directly bring into your bodies by opening up the crown. And a fully extended and open crown chakra, that's where we get all those pictures or artist's rendition of the halo. Or, you right. know, around Christ or, you know, any, any, any authentically enlightened being they should, what they're trying to capture is the fully extended and open crown chakra. That's really what that is. Right. That's the artist's rendition. The gateway it. has opened even more. Right. Yeah. And, and so the big boss is the heart that's, that is able to, to pull these energies down, to pull them in, that attracts all the atoms that, you know, commands the, the, the resources around it's the, the, the force of loci, the power is from there. That's the one that's doing all the business, the boss, the big boss, right? You got exactly the big cheese. The big cheese. Sits. So, and a, and a way to, for us to look at this, to, so to operate this way, okay? It's one thing for us to understand this, talk about this, right? But it's another thing to embody this and live this way. And that, that's really the key. Now, one way I feel that we can do this is that, uh, and I don't know if we, if I did this analogy with you when we spoke, well, we're going to do it again, even if we did. Okay. Right. So, most of us are familiar with a periscope, right? On a submarine comes up and, right? Okay. So <clears throat> now the periscope doesn't have a computer attached to the back of it. it. doesn't have a brain attached to the back of it, right? It's really just kind of like a viewfinder, binoculars or telescope, whatever, whatever you want to say that, right? But there's nothing behind it. Okay. Now the one that's looking through the periscope is the captain. Now the captain is way down deep in the hull of the ship. 
but that's the one looking through the periscope, but he's way down here or she is way down here. Okay. Same with us. Okay. The big cheese, the top dog, the captain sits between your heart and your spine. And this thing is a periscope. <laughs> that's what this is right now. Right. It's, you know, it's, it's kind of silly or whatever, but it's also a fairly good analogy. Now, if we can just work with that for a second, because everything is about the tangibility of things. We're past belief systems, okay? It's now experiential. This is the age that we're in. This is the age that we're in, okay? So let's all feel that for a second, okay? Feel the presence in the center of your chest. Mind goes blank. This is now just a viewfinder. And that's all it is. There's no musicians in your radio, I hope. There's no musicians in your radio, right? Okay. There's no consciousness in your head. It's a receiver. It's a receiver of, of electrical impulses through our five physical senses. That's why we have all these senses in the head, which is why we have mistakenly thought that consciousness exists in the head. It doesn't. This is just the transcriber of the energy. It comes in our eyes, our ears, our nose, our mouth. It's all centered right here, but it's a periscope. Because the one looking through it and the one experiencing this is the captain way down deep in the hull of the ship between your heart and your spine. Now, if we can just exist this way, knowing that what you are is sitting right here, and this is just a viewfinder, it makes it easier to not be an incessant thought. Right? Yeah. And now, as I say, the ego mind identity is a limitation program that runs by thinking. We have to stop that. We have to stop the thinking. We don't need to think. It's, it, it's, we're misusing this, this tool. I'll, I'll prove it to you. The subconscious mind, and by the way, the, my second book is all about deprogramming the subconscious mind because it's, it's uh, necessary. Okay. Brian, part of, the part, of it, part of the subconscious mind is a memory bank, a storage device. Okay. It, it, it records everything every incarnation, it records everything. It's why people do hypnosis and past life regression to get to the stuff that's buried within the subconscious mind. Okay, it is memory, it stores everything. Okay, your life is memorized, Brian, as is mine, as, as is everyone, but I want you to see this. Your life is literally memorized. You see a cup, let me get my prop. You see a cup, you know how to drink from it. You see a chair, you know how to sit. You get in your car, you know how to drive. You know how to wash yourself, feed yourself, clean yourself. You know where everything is in your house. You know where work is. I want you to really look at this for a second. Your whole life's memorized. You don't have to think about it. Your subconscious mind takes care of it. You literally don't have anything to think about. It's memorized. That's number one. So we can all start to get more comfortable with being fully present or perpetual state of meditation. And that's the flow state. Now we're online. Now the higher mind is online when we do that. Let's take it a step further about thinking, which is the problem, which creates resistance. You and I are having another really good conversation about what maybe some people would consider high level or whatever word you want to use, metaphysics, right? Okay, fine, right? We understand every word that we're saying to each other without thinking. Mm -hmm. It's true. Okay. Everything's memorized and real understanding and real communion happens when you don't think. 
It's true. Right. Okay. So when you asked her, so really sit with that. Everyone, please sit with that. You, there's nothing to think about. I promise you. I promise you there's nothing to think about. We just don't have a frame of reference anymore except for constantly thinking. I get it. But you don't need to. And the, the other thing is, is that thinking traps a human being in time. Okay. Thinking's past, future, past, future, past, future. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay. Thinking creates the illusion of time. And once we're stuck in past, future, past, future, we're now in logic and linearity. We are now in massive limitation, massive limitation through thought. That's what thought does. It is a limitation program. I don't care what you're thinking about. It is a limitation program. Thinking traps humanity in time. And now we're stuck with logic and linearity, which means everything becomes a process. Everything is a process now. We have to figure this out. We have to work on this. We have to go from A to B to C to... No, you don't. No, you do not. (laughs) Absolutely not. Okay? That's the lower consciousness through the rational mind. Thinking, 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 thinking. We just found out that you don't need to think. And I mean it. You don't need to think. Your subconscious mind has got it covered. And understanding happens when you don't think. You want to log into your body. You want to talk to the trees. You want to talk to God. You want to talk to your angels. Stop thinking. Stop thinking. You don't need to. The higher mind flowers and opens. And when that happens, we're not bound by space-time. We're not bound by logic and linearity. Space-time has to do with the frequency, and it's through thought that we get trapped in past, future, past, future. The reason why it doesn't feel right, Brian, is because we are beyond this. We are beyond space-time right now and concurrently. We are a piece of our higher self that exists way outside of space-time. A piece of it is here within space-time. We exist inside and outside of space-time concurrently. Make no mistake about that. So when you operate with your higher mind, you're reconnecting with your higher self. You're no longer bound by past, future, past, future. You're no longer bound by processes or beliefs or concepts or ideologies. This understanding or tangible recognition is is part of how I put myself back together. It's part of what the book is about. It's being in communion with your higher mind and realizing that all this stuff is just dogma that has to do with thinking, which is a past and a future. You exist beyond that right now. We all exist beyond that. And when we start to operate this way, when we understand what thinking is, traps you in a past and future. It traps you within concepts, beliefs, and beliefs are just a string of thoughts. It becomes, inc- it comes incredibly limiting. And when we work outside of that, we start to feel more of like what we really are, manifestation, constant creativity, living in a higher frequency, even when we're actually residing in a lower frequency, right? We simply don't want to wet, let the little you, the ego mind identity, conquer the big you, which is your higher mind or your higher self. It's so true. And a lot of what's happening when when we're thinking is, as you say, we're identifying with those thoughts. It's most 99% of people are identifying with those thoughts as if that is their self. When in actuality, it's just a thought stream that may not even be coming from them. They're just attracting it based on their previous thought that they were focusing on from someone else. Um, and it's just a constant, just swimming in different rivers that has nothing to do with you right so like like you say it's identifying if if we can we're going to have those thoughts come through 
when you stop identifying with them and act like, you know, maybe it's noises you hear next door. Um, you know, when you hear somebody next door arguing, it's, well, you just want keep going. It's no big deal. Right. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be you. That, yeah, that, that's right. And all, all thought from my perspective, all this is from my perspective, by the way. So all thought is, is already in context in relation to an identification, right. to a belief, to a concept, to a person, to an experience. I, I don't care what it is. So really look at this and we can, we can come back to the slinky if, if, that's, if that, that's helpful or just the music. We can come back to the slinky. So thoughts, the order of creation, as I understand it, desire, intention, thought, emotion, action, behavior. Mm-hmm. Okay. As I see it, when I look at a, a human being, that's, that's, that's the order of creation. Okay. Thought and emotion are below, below desire and intention right? Thought and emotion can only be in context to some sort of identification, to something. If you have no identifications to anything, as weird as this sounds, you can't think. You literally can't. It's a hard okay? place to reach for a lot of people. Yeah, it, it is, but we have to, we, absolutely. But we have to start with instantaneous magic tricks. Right. Two eyes, not connected to your brain. Pretend you just arrived here, no past, no future. Ask yourself a question that you that you sincerely don't know the answer to, and you don't care what the answer is. How many hairs are there on a cat? I don't know. Right. But mind you goes, do. You do know. Right. right. The, mind, <laughs> the thinking mind stops. Right. So the think the thinking mind is a reactionary state based upon our identifications. Right. Right. And we're not any of the identifications. We're the I am, which comes before any identification. So when we work in that way, all our infinite potential will be online. Our infinite potential is not realized through thought. Right. That is our limitation program, is through thinking. There's no way to ascend through thought. The no way, way that we're going to, the way that we're going to ascend is by letting go of the ego mind identity, which is anchoring us to the lower frequencies of the physical universe. We're not going anywhere if we're stuck to things here. If we identify and are attached to things here, where are we going? nowhere. So as we start to work with being present in an effortless way, the higher mind opens and now our limitless potential is at our disposal. It's so simple and yet so exciting. There's one thing I kind of want to talk about from our last conversation, totally unrelated, but I I know it will will be interesting. Um, uh, You had mentioned Count St. Germain and uh, you know how how he he was an avatar and I've seen you mention it in other videos Somebody I am super fascinated by, and you know, I've read all of the different, you know, uh, historical ideas and different things, channelings from Count Saint Germain. So, for some reason, I had a feeling that you might have a unique perspective on Count Saint Germain. You might be able to expand upon that. So, uh, please tell me more about um, your interests and ideas re- regarding Saint Germain. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Okay. So, so uh, the Count Saint Germain is a is a single incarnation of. Uh, an ascended master. Right. And if we're familiar with ascended master, I'm not, I won't go on and on about ascended masters, but uh, these are, these are simply beings that operate. We could just say at the highest levels, I mean, it's just the easiest, simplest and easiest way to say. It. Okay. That is a specific incarnation, the Count St. Germain. Now the Count St. Germain is a projection or an aspect of a specific higher self. That is one incarnation, that same higher self Okay, has also projected Moses, Plato, Christopher Columbus, 
the, the Father of Christ, St. Joseph, uh, Merlin, uh, Gilgamesh, believe it or not, was real, okay? And, and, a, and a whole bunch of others, okay? And a whole bunch of others. Now, Count, Count St. Germain- Are you is, among those? I, I'm, I'm just RJ. Oh, okay. I'm just RJ. Okay. So right. uh, <laughs> Count St. Count Germain is a specific incarnation of a higher right. self that, okay. Now, that, that incarnation, uh, well, it's quite fascinating, that inc- for, at, least from my pers- at least from my perspective. It is. So he's, so he's known as, uh, or was known, or I guess still is, uh, known as the man who knows everything and never dies. Okay. Right. Well, that's not true. Okay. No one knows everything. Okay. That's impo- only at creator level because it's experiencing everything concurrently. Does it, does it know everything, but it's still learning. Now, from a human, from a human perspective, St. Germain is highly, highly advanced and would seem like he knows everything. He absolutely does not. I promise you. But he a lot. Would, right. right. He, he certainly knows a lot. He certainly knows a lot, right. but he certainly doesn't know everything. That's impossible. Now, the, the, the never dying thing is, is quite fascinating or always appearing as if he's 40 years old. Mm-hmm. Now, my, my understanding of that is that he is, he is the real master of alchemy. Of of meta, he is the, the the Lord of Alchemy, and so he understands it as you know, and he was Merlin as well. He understands it at the highest levels. He understands magic and alchemy, healing at the highest levels. Now he was able to work with himself in a way where he could maintain a certain level of control over the aging process. Now we all can do this, and I may very well get into that in some book or some course or something like that because I, I feel like I have a, a, a certain level of understanding of that. So he was able to work with himself in a way where he would slow down the body's aging process by maintaining a super high frequency. And one of the ways that he did that, one of the ways that he did that is that same exercise that's in the Ascend the Frequencies Healing Technique, which has to do with channeling intelligent energy into the crown chakra. That energy is high frequency energy that is completely revitalizing and rejuvenating. Now, when you connect that energy to come through your crown chakra, if you go to the source point of it, which is source, God, creator, and you go to that and you have that channeling into and through your crown chakra, your body of energy and your physical body, it makes aging very difficult. It makes aging very difficult. Now, my also understanding of St. Germain is that He, he did die, but not through a death process. Okay. By, and by choice. By choice. So I'll, I'll, I'll give an example because he's not the only one. He's not the only one. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, 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 we could say it's rarefied air. That's fine. But he's not the only one. Okay. Yoga, Paramahansa Yogananda, if you're familiar mm-hmm. with Paramahansa Yogananda. Okay. Paramahansa is also an incarnation of an ascended master. Master Yogananda announced to everyone that he would be leaving his body, told everyone literally told everyone, gave us, gave a speech saying that he was going to leave his body. This is the end. I'm done. I've done my work. I'm now leaving my body, finished his speech and left his body. He didn't go through a death process. Okay. At a certain, Brian, at a certain level, and it is rarefied air, however you want to say it, right? At a certain level, these beings have nothing to learn from the death process. They're, they're, they're quote unquote past so there's nothing for them to learn through that. So therefore, 
they don't have to have that experience. They don't have to go through a death process. They can literally leave their body. Now, St. Germain, that incarnation, that specific incarnation, he had, he, he had mastered that. Paramahansa Yogananda, that specific incarnation, and those beings have had countless, not countless, have had many incarnations. In fact, the, the being known as St. Germain has had 181 human incarnations and about 120 alien incarnations for about 300 physical incarnations, give, give or take. Wow. And, and Paramahansa, uh, yeah, and there's a whole bunch of other incarnations of St. Germain that people are very, uh, I shouldn't say people are unaware. They, they, um, they might not know. Right. And, but we also have to understand is that it's never, I'm, I'm getting off tangent. I'm sorry. No, please. There's but, no tangent. You can, it's all good. So. Okay. Okay. <laughs> when, when we look at any soul, St. Germain or anybody, it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll stick with St. Germain. It doesn't matter. Okay. My, my direct experience with this is that it, it's not the exact same soul. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll give, cause it's part of the higher self. Mm-hmm. Right. And and let me give an analogy because maybe it's just easier to <laughs> use an analogy. Okay. So think about like a wave on the ocean, right? Okay. It's kind of temporarily riding on top of the ocean, so to speak, it's part of it, but it's kind of individualized, if you will, mm-hmm. riding on top of the ocean, right? Still part of the ocean, but riding on top of it. And then the wave crashes, right? Okay. And then it goes right back and re and, it remerges or becomes part once again of the ocean. The individuality is gone, right? right. The wave is now crashed and it is, becomes part of the ocean again. So now another wave comes in. Now that wave is not exactly the same as the wave that just crashed. That's actually impossible, but it's certainly from the same ocean. Right. Okay. From my perspective as a way for me to describe it, that's reincarnation. That's what that is. It is never the exact same wave. It is never the exact same soul. It's from the same higher self. It's from the same ocean. So essentially it's about 80 to 90% the same and about 10 to 20% variance, depending upon what it is that that soul wants to work on, what it is that it wants to experience, what aspects of its talents and abilities are best utilized for the specific incarnation, what aspects of, believe it or not, the ego mind identity or personality from the other incarnations that would be useful in this specific incarnation. So all of those things are coalesced by the ocean before it projects another wave. So it's it, you know, Plato is not exactly St. Germain and St. Germain was not exactly Merlin. Mm-hmm. Or Moses, right? Or, or 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 others, or Christopher Columbus, or Amelia Earhart, by the way. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, I mean, there's there, there's there's lots of hidden or unknown uh, incarnations of 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 and others and Saint Germain. Anyway, right. so it's never exactly the same, Brian. This is the same for all of us. Okay, right. we are a projection. Here's the another ridiculous analogy: octopus, and it drops down a tentacle. Right. So the tentacle is part of the part of the octopus, just less in volume, but it's all the octopus and that octopus can put down any tentacle and each one of those tentacles are going to be slightly different, but it's the same octopus. So the incarnations, here's another ridiculous analogy. Think of a um, screwdriver with the replaceable or interchangeable uh, head, Mm -hmm. you know? Okay. So the body of the screwdriver is like, you know, 80 or 90% of the whole screwdriver, right? But you can interchange the head. Maybe that's 10% of it, all right? Mm-hmm. That's what it's like. 
So you see a lot of the same characteristics. It's, it's a lot of the same level of consciousness or the same level of understanding that you'll see. There's a ton of similarity between Plato and St. Germain. And as weird as that sounds, there is a ton of similarity in terms of their level of consciousness and what it is that they understand. Now, their personalities were, were vastly different for sure. And I could maybe at some other time, I'll even get into the personalities about certain, certain beings if you, if you like. But the level of consciousness, the level of sentience is the same because it's the same higher self. But there'll be specific attributes or qualities that are going to be imbued within that incarnation based upon what it is that it needs to achieve and what it is that it needs to experience. And those, those beings, uh, incarnations of ascended masters, have very, very um, specific agendas very specific. They play a very specific role. They know exactly what they're here to do and they're, they're going to do it no matter what and nothing can stop them. I, I promise you. They're very, 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 very determined. Uh, and they're, they're very, very connected. Most of them know, most of them are aware of what they are. They might not have specificities about a host of other incarnations, but they're able to commune with their higher self. And when you commune with your higher self, when, when the tentacle goes back up into the octopus, the, the individuality is gone. The wave has crashed into the ocean. And so when you authentically experience communion with your higher self, which is real self-realization, by the way, that's what enlightenment is from my perspective. That's what that is. The wave has crashed and you realize that you are all of this and all of this is you. And you realize that you are all these incarnations and all these incarnations are you. And so the, the, the observer self is gone. It's kind of the opposite of what people, from my experience, it's right. kind of the opposite of what people talk about. The observer self is gone. It's all one thing. There is no more observer. Oddly enough, what does remain is the, is the personality, the characteristics, right. the ego mind identity. Oddly enough, Oddly enough, is what it, it, for me, it's the opposite of what people talk. That's just how I experience it. That's what I experience mm -hmm. through these things. The different personalities remain. So the ego mind identity remains because they're useful. Nothing's ever wasted. Nothing is ever thrown away. But the oneness is experienced. And you realize that you're all of this and all of this is you. And so to me, that's that's authentic uh, self. And this, by the way, this is some of the things I'm going to talk about in that course that I'm going to do uh, at the end of July, the live course, is to talk about these things and how to experience these things. That's authentic to me, self-realization or enlightenment. And that's how reincarnation really works. It's never the exact same soul. And certain souls are operating at a certain level where they're, they're able to transcend the death experience because there's nothing for them to learn from that. And St. Germain, Yogananda, uh, Christ, uh, Buddha, there, there's, there's a host of them. Mm -hmm. There's a host of them. And it's because their consciousness, it, it's kind of like graduating high school. Once you graduate high school, you don't have to take eighth grade math. It's right. like, you're not what, what, you know, it's like, I know all that. Uh, I don't, I don't need to do that. I don't need to go through this, this uh, death experience. Uh, if I don't want to, I don't need to, I'm not going to learn anything from it. And so those beings, and, and Saint Germain specifically really is the, the Lord of Alchemy. He understands alchemy and magic. Um, you know, at the deepest levels, he's almost an embodiment of it. Yeah. Like he's, he's, he's literally it. You know, I, I think I mentioned this by text with you, but 
I totally recommend the book Red Lion by Maria Zapes. Uh, an, an amazing, I don't know where she was getting the information about St. Germain, but he is the master of alchemy in that book. He's a side character. The main character can suddenly remember all of his incarnations. And, and it, it, it is not a good thing. I mean, he, <laughs> you know, it is not a good thing. You know, he remembers everything. It becomes an, a curse because he, he mm. is given this ability before he's ready. And then and after several lives of the most horrible things, he meets St. Germain. St. Germain has known about him all along and sort of takes him through the alchemical process. And his character is just fascinatingly written. You know, obviously it feels like he's from the future and he's teaching a magical lesson. So I recommend, I've read the book on, on my channel, but I recommend, I think you might enjoy that. So if people want, um, I don't know when this, this interview might come out a little bit after the course, but you'll have recordings. You, you have the, the live course. They can um, find that on your website, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's starting July 30th. It's a course I'm going to teach uh, over four months. Okay. It's one, it's once a week. And after each week, the, the, the live session gets downloaded into the, into the app. People can join anywhere near along that because as soon as they join, they'll get all the back recordings awesome. and then they, they can then participate in the, in each one of those classes. And just real quick, the three main things, and they're, they're large, but the three main things I'm going to be talking about in the self-mastery, what exists beyond enlightenment, are what I call the four levels of self-realization. And from my perspective, there, there literally are levels to this. It's, there, there is something past enlightenment, as bizarre as that sounds, but there is something past enlightenment. We're getting closer to self-mastery as we go in that. And that's when we're talking about the St. Germains and the Yoganandas and the Christ and the Buddhas. They operate with a, an actual level of self-mastery putting yourself back together and levitating and accessing information as aspects of self-mastery. The, the two other main thrusts of this, and it's completely revolutionary, Brian, none of this stuff is being taught here. None of, none of it. There's something I call the 12 eternal truths from my perspective, the 12 eternal truths are not contextual. So in other words, they are eternally true. They're true right now for you and me. They would have been true 10,000 years ago and they'll be true 10,000 years from now or a million years from now. We can think of the 12 eternal truth as like the spine, how ironic, the spine of our existence. Okay. So I'm going to be talking about what these 12 eternal truths really are. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be explaining them and I'm going to be giving, we'll call them exercises for lack of a better word, for us to start to work with these 12 eternal truths. Another aspect of this course or what I call the 12, 12 is a theme here, what I call the 12 tenets of self-mastery. Now, as a frame of reference, it's just a frame of reference. No one needs to freak out from a religious perspective. Well, most of us are familiar with the Ten Commandments, right? Okay. You know, Moses, St. Germain, we talked about that, right? Okay. Right. So the Ten Commandments are what not to do, right? right. I mean, what not to do. Uh, okay. Well, we're past that. Okay. Maybe it was useful 2,000 years ago, whatever. It probably was, right? Okay. It's not useful anymore. We know what not to do. The real question is, what should I do and why? How do I live to my highest potential? How do I live in complete alignment and correspondence with the eternal and immutable laws of the universe itself? How do I do that? What should I do and why? Those are the, those are the 12 tenets of self-mastery. So I will be talking about, from my perspective, what the 12 tenets of self-mastery actually are. I'll be expounding upon them. And also I'll be giving, again, we'll call it an exercise or what, however you want to say that. So we can start to work with them. 
So they start to become an embodiment. So there is actual gnosis. It's not just some information to memorize and keep in your lower astral and your mental body. I want, I want human beings to embody these 12 tenets of self-mastery and to begin to live this way because we have lived this way before. These teachings and these understandings are now needed in the 21st century. They are now needed right now. And I'm going to be teaching these things starting July 30th. Just go to my website, ascendafrequencies.com and forgive me for the shameless plug, but this information, this information is more than important. It is more than important. So ascendafrequencies.com, you'll see the live courses, not the live courses, you'll see the courses and the uh, mobile apps that I have. This is self-mastery, what exists beyond enlightenment. There's a whole hour webinar on it. There's free teachings in the hour webinar. I go over, I even go over one of the 12 tenets of self-mastery in the webinar. And then there's a whole bunch of information explaining what's in it. If this speaks to anyone who is watching and listening, there's a reason why it's within the screen of your consciousness. It's not a mistake. It's not a happenstance. It's not luck. It's because you're ready. That's why, because you're ready. And that's why the teachings are here, because you're ready. So if it speaks to you, avail yourself of it. If it doesn't, oh, this RJ guy is nuts. He's out of his mind. That's fine. That's okay. I promise you, I promise you, at some point, these teachings and understandings, you're going to need them like you need air. And if you don't feel that way right now, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But if you feel that way right now about it, it's here. Avail yourself of it. And I highly recommend it. Ascendthefrequencies.com. It's not a shameless plug. You're saving lives. You're changing lives. And I appreciate it. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing. Um, and it's great to have hope. You know, there's people out there that that have not connected to your message that have lost hope. And if only if only that one person out there could could get this message that uh, all hope is not lost. You can heal. You can overcome whatever it is that you're going through. Uh, I'm telling you now it's been done. RJ is an example of it. Listen to his words. He knows you will know him by his fruits. I promise. So so thank you, RJ. I appreciate it immensely for coming back on. And let's uh, let's do this again. I, I, you know, every time we get deeper, I have so much fun talking to you. So thank you so much for coming on, brother. But Brian, it's my pleasure. I enjoy it. We have a great connection, a great rapport. And I will, if you'll listen to me ramble again, I will absolutely be back again. Thank you so much for having, having me, you my on. friend. Thank, thank you. Thank you, man. Bye. Welcome to the Reality Revolution.